Hi everyone, and welcome back to the True Crime Talks podcast. My name is Katie, and this is episode two, where I will be talking about the unsolved case of Bible John. Bible John is an unidentified serial killer who is believed to have murdered three young women between 1968 and 1969 in Glasgow, Scotland. All of Bible John's victims were young brunette women between the ages of 25 and 32. He met all of his victims at a dance hall and music venue in Glasgow called the Barrowland Ballroom. The case triggered one of the most extensive manhunts in Scottish criminal history and remains unsolved to this day. The unidentified serial killer got his name due to having repeatedly quoted from the Bible. Bible John's first known victim was a 25-year-old auxiliary nurse named Patricia Docker. Patricia Docker's naked body was found on the 23rd of February 1968 in the doorway of a lock-up garage. Her body was found by a man on his way to work in Battlefield, Glasgow, only yards away from her home. Patricia's cause of death was found to be strangulation with a strong ligature such as a belt. She also had extensive blunt force trauma to her face and head. Her handbag, watch and clothes were not initially found at the crime scene, However, her handbag was later recovered from the river during an underwater search and her watch was recovered from a pool of water close to the murder scene. Her clothing was never found. Little evidence was found at the crime scene, however extensive door-to-door inquiries were conducted. Police spoke to a witness who had heard a female scream, leave me alone, during the previous evening. The victim was initially identified by a paramedic on the scene as he knew that she was a nurse at Mearns Kirk Hospital in Renfrewshire. She was formally identified as Patricia Docker by her father the following day. Patricia was a single mother of one child. She was still married, although no longer with her husband. The night of her murder, she had gone to the Majestic Ballroom and Hope Street to dance, however later went to the Barrowland Ballroom. This was most likely as they were hosting an over-25s night. She failed to return home that evening and her parents assumed that she had just spent the night with a friend. Patricia's post-mortem confirmed that the cause of death was strangulation. It was concluded that she had likely died shortly after she left the Barrowland Ballroom due to the stage of rigor mortis that her body was in. Investigators concluded that the perpetrator had most likely grabbed Patricia, punched her and kicked her in the face as she screamed to leave her alone. She was likely then sexually assaulted and strangled to her death. The perpetrator then left her body outside of the lock-up garage. Bible John's second known victim was a 32-year-old woman named Jemima MacDonald. On Saturday the 16th of August 1969, Jemima spent the evening dancing at the Barrowland Ballroom. Jemima was seen by several people with a young, well-spoken and well-dressed man between the ages of 25 and 35. He was described by witnesses as being between 6 foot and 6 foot 2 in height, with a slim build and had short, dark brown hair with lighter streaks in it. 
He also had a strong Glaswegian accent and was heard inserting brief biblical quotations into conversation. Jemima had left her three children in the care of her sister Margaret O'Brien as she often did. Margaret became very concerned when her sister failed to return home that night. Jemima had last been seen leaving the Barrowland Ballroom with this man just after midnight. She had been seen walking in the direction of her home at approximately 12.40am. Margaret O'Brien became very concerned as she had began hearing rumours that a body had been found by local children in a derelict tenement building. By Monday morning, Margaret had still not heard from her sister and decided to go to the derelict building herself. There, she discovered her own sister's battered body lying face down with her shoes and stockings lying beside her. Post-mortem examination concluded that Jemima had likely been strangled to death with one of her stockings. She had also been sexually assaulted and extensively beaten, particularly on her face. Her body had been in the building for around 30 hours after she had been murdered. Unlike Patricia Dockers, her body was found fully clothed. Door-to-door inquiries in Jemima's case found a woman that had heard female screams on the evening of Jemima's murder, although she could not recall the exact time. The inquiries also produced several eyewitnesses who were able to accurately describe the man that she had been seen with at the Barrowland Ballroom. The first two known murders by Bible John were initially not considered to be the work of the same perpetrator, despite several striking similarities between the two cases. Both women had attended the Barrowland Ballroom on the evening of their murder, Both had been beaten and strangled to death with the ligature. Both had been menstruating at the time of their murders and both had had their handbags taken from the crime scene. The murder of Patricia Docker quickly became a cold case as police were unable to gather much information or hard evidence in the case. The police did not discover that Patricia had attended the Barrowland Ballroom on the evening of her murder until three days after her death which severely hindered the investigation. 18 months after Patricia's murder, and shortly after the murder of Jemima MacDonald, police became aware of the remarkable similarities between the two cases. They did not conclusively link both murders to the same perpetrator, however they did not discount this theory. They did, however, believe that the perpetrator of these crimes had a good local geographical knowledge and may be local to the area. They did, however, say that he may be a stranger to the specific district, as he was not recognised by any of the eyewitnesses in either case. For the first time in Scottish murder history, a composite sketch of the man whom Jemima had last been seen with was given to the press. This was distributed on TV and in newspapers throughout Scotland to help identify the suspect. Officers went undercover at the Barrowland Ballroom to try and identify the suspect. No suspects were identified, however, and officers were also blamed for causing a decrease in attendance to the Barrowland Ballroom. This initiative was terminated in October 1969. On the 31st of October 1969, the body of 29-year-old Helen Puttick was found in the Scotston district of Glasgow. Her body was found by a man walking his dog 
in the back garden of her Errol Street flat. She was partially clothed and had been extensively beaten. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled with her own stocking. Her handbag was missing, but the contents were scattered near her body. Grass stains on the soles of her feet and shoes indicated that she had struggled with her killer. It was also clear from the evidence that she had attempted to scale a nearby railway embankment to escape. As had been the case with his previous two victims, Helen had been menstruating at the time of her murder. Her murderer had placed her sanitary towel beneath her left arm. Helen's body also had a deep bite mark on her upper right thigh. Before the murder, Helen and her sister, Jean Langford, had been at the Barrowland Ballroom where they had met two men that were both named John. One John had said that he resided in Castle Milk, Glasgow and worked as a slater. The other John did not disclose where he lived. The group of four had stayed at the Barrowland Ballroom together for over an hour, after which they all left together to head home. The first man named John, who had been Jean's dance partner, walked to George Square in Glasgow to board a bus. The other three all got in a taxi together from Glasgow Cross. The first stop was around 20 minutes west at Langford's home in Knightswood. When they reached her home, Jean Langford left the taxi, leaving her sister Helen and John inside. The taxi continued towards Helen's home in Scotston. While speaking to detectives during the investigation, Jean Langford informed detectives everything she knew about the suspect. Most of the crucial information pertaining to the killer's psychological profile had been discovered during the conversation in the taxi between John and the two sisters. Jean had learned that the suspect was teetotal and had repeatedly quoted from the Old Testament, particularly stories of Moses. He had referred to the Barrowland Ballroom as an adulterous den of iniquity and talked of his disapproval of married women visiting the premises. Jean described the suspect as a tall, slim, well-dressed young man with neat red or fair hair. She described him as around 5 foot 10 and between the ages of 25 and 30. Jean informed detectives that John had been dressed in a well-cut brown reed and tailor suit and had smoked embassy cigarettes. She was able to describe his facial features, such as having overlapping front teeth, and that he had discussed once having worked in a laboratory. She also recalled that he had been familiar with several drinking premises in the Yoker district of Glasgow. Jean also told police that the suspect had given his name as either John Templeton, John Sempelson or John Emerson. He had indicated that he was neither Catholic nor Protestant, despite frequently quoting from the Old Testament. During the taxi ride, Jean told detectives that it was obvious to her that John was annoyed by her presence in the taxi. He told the woman that he did not drink alcohol due to his strict parents, and that his beliefs about dance halls and unmarried women being adulterers was from his father. Bouncers at the Barrowland Ballroom dismissed much of the physical description given by Jean, claiming that the man had been a short and well-spoken individual with black hair. At approximately 2am on the 31st of October, the last possible sighting of the suspect was made. 
the driver and the conductor on the night service bus noticed a young man matching the description given by Jean alighting a bus at the junction of Dumbarton Road and Grey Street. He was dishevelled with mudstains on his jacket and a red mark on his cheek beneath his eye. Both witnesses recalled him repeatedly tucking the cuff of his shirt sleeve into his jacket sleeve. This ties in with the evidence as a man's cufflink was found alongside the body of Helen. The suspect was last seen walking towards the ferry to cross the River Clyde to the south side of the city. Detectives began to conclude that all three murders had been committed by the same person due to the remarkable similarities. Each victim had been the mother of at least one child. They had all met the murderer at the Barrowland Ballroom. Each victim had been strangled to death and at least two of the women had been sexually assaulted. All three women's handbags were missing and all three had been escorted home by the killer and murdered within a short distance of their front door. All three women had been menstruating at the time of their death and had had their sanitary towel or tampon placed beneath, near or upon her body. Detectives speculated that the women were murdered for refusing intercourse due to menstruation. Very shortly after Helen's body was discovered, Jean helped to create an additional composite drawing of the suspect. She saw the image created after Jemima MacDonald's murder and believed it was an excellent likeness to the suspect. The suspect's hair was unusually short for this time period, so over 450 hairdressers in Glasgow were shown the drawing of the suspect to see if he could be identified. Dentists were also shown the drawing to look for male patients with overlapping incisors and a missing tooth in the upper right jaw. Detective Superintendent Joe Beatty urged the public to closely study the drawing in case it resembled anyone they knew. These lines of inquiry did not help in the investigation. An artist's impression portrait was created by the Glasgow School of Art based on Jean's recollection of the suspect. In June 1970, a photo fit system was used to produce a better likeness of the suspect and this was the first time that this method was used for a murder suspect in Scotland. More than 100 detectives were assigned to work on this case full-time. 50,000 witness statements were taken in door-to-door inquiries and more than 5,000 potential suspects were questioned in the first year of the inquiry alone. Jean Langford had to attend over 300 identity parades but was adamant that the suspect was not present at any of these parades. A team of 16 detectives frequented dance halls in Glasgow in particular the Barrowland Ballroom on Thursdays and Saturday nights at over 25 events. Despite the extensive manhunt, eventually all three cases became cold and no further developments arised. Many of the officers on the case believed that the perpetrator had either been jailed, had died or had been incarcerated at a mental hospital. Others speculated that he may have just moved away from Glasgow or had only murdered whenever he was in the vicinity. Some speculated that senior police officers had known his identity, but had not been able to prove he committed the murders. Police also circulated the composite sketch to British Army, Navy and Air Force bases in the UK, Europe and the Middle and Far East. However, this line of inquiry failed to produce any significant leads. Several potential suspects 
were considered in the case of Bible John. One notable suspect was a man named John White. The suspect was provided by a former detective chief inspector named Les Brown, who had been working with the Strathclyde police. He had supplied investigators with details of an arrest conducted in 1969 that he believed to be an extremely likely perpetrator. According to Les Brown, the man had been arguing with a young woman in the Barland Ballroom. He had been arrested, however, was later released from custody. He had closely resembled the facial composite and had supplied police with a fake name and address before eventually revealing his true name and an address in the Gorbals. Despite largely matching the suspect's description, he was eventually released because he did not have obviously overlapping front teeth. Several years later, Les Brown spoke to a detective that had taken this man to hospital after his arrest. The suspect had needed several stitches in his head following an altercation. However, as soon as his handcuffs were removed, he escaped from the hospital. He had also given his name to medical personnel as John White. Les Brown and several of his colleagues believed that this man was the perpetrator. In 2005, Les Brown wrote his suspicions in his autobiography. The individual in question came forward and offered to provide a DNA sample in order to clear his name. This eventually led to his elimination as a suspect. In 1983, an unidentified man contacted Strathclyde Police. This individual claimed that his friend had been Bible John. He said that him and his friends had both frequented the Barrowland Ballroom in the 1960s and had both been raised in the Crown Hill district of Glasgow. He claimed that he had read an article in the Evening Times five years ago and had realised that his friend had been the murderer. The alleged suspect was traced and was living in the Netherlands married to a Dutch woman. Police never heard from the suspect or the claimant after this. In 1996, the body of John Irvin McInnes was exhumed by Strathclyde Police from a graveyard in Stonehouse, South Lanarkshire. McInnes had served in the Scots Guard and had committed suicide at the age of 41 in 1980. He was the cousin of one of the original suspects in the Bible John investigation. A DNA sample was taken from his body to match to samples found on the stockings of Helen. The results of this test proved inconclusive and the Crown officially cleared McInnes of any involvement in the Bible John murders in July 1996. It had been speculated by criminologists and investigators that Bible John may have been the convicted serial killer Peter Tobin. Peter Tobin was convicted in May 2007 of the murder of Angelica Cluck, a Polish student who had been raped, beaten and stabbed to death. He was subsequently convicted for several other murders after bodies were found buried in his garden. He had relocated from Shettleston, Glasgow to England in August 1969 after marrying his first wife. He had met his first wife at the Barrowland Ballroom in 1968. From August 1969, Tobin lived in Brighton for 20 years and then from the late 1980s, he resided in either Scotland or the south of England. He moved from Scotland in August 1969, which was before the final two murders were committed by Bible John. Visual similarities between Peter Tobin and the 1969 composite drawing of Bible John were found, 
although the composite drawing showed Bible John with red hair, which Peter Tobin did not have. Another discrepancy is that Bible John displayed his victim's body in public places, whereas Peter Tobin buried all of his known victims. All three of Peter Tobin's former wives had given accounts of being repeatedly imprisoned, throttled, beaten and raped at his hands, and each had stated that he'd been driven to extreme physical violence by the female menstrual cycle. He was also known to have been a staunch Roman Catholic with strong religious views. One of the synonyms that he was known to have used was John Semple, very similar to the name that Bible John had given to Jean Langford and Helen in 1969. Criminologist David Wilson actively investigated Peter Tobin for three years and strongly believed that Peter Tobin was Bible John. During Peter Tobin's trial for the murder of 18-year-old Dina McNichol, David Wilson noted the striking similarities between a conversation with Bible John and Jean Langford and a conversation between Dina and McNichol's friend and Peter Tobin. Both men had mentioned that they do not drink on Hogmanay and also having a cousin who scored a hole-in-one in a golf match. David Wilson stated that he did not set out to prove Tobin was Bible John, but he would state his professional reputation on it. Due to the deterioration of physical samples, DNA testing to link Peter Tobin with any of the murder victims was unlikely. In 2006, Operation Anagram was launched to trace the movements of Peter Tobin, to determine his culpability in any other crimes. A woman informed investigators that she had been raped by Tobin after she met him at the Barrowland Ballroom in 1968. Another woman told detectives in 2010 that she had had a threatening experience with Tobin at the Barrowland Ballroom in the 1960s. She claimed that he introduced himself as Peter and pestered her to go with him to a party in the Castle Milk area of Glasgow. The woman stated that she was 100% certain that Peter Tobin was Bible John. Eventually, Operation Anagram eliminated Peter Tobin as a suspect in the Bible John murders. It was discovered that Tobin was in Brighton at the time of the final two Bible John murders. He had married his first wife in Brighton on the 6th of August 1969, ten days before the murder of Jemima MacDonald. Tobin's wife testified that the pair were still on their honeymoon in Brighton at the time of the murder, and she insists he was with her at all times. Tobin was also in police custody regarding an unrelated crime when another of the killings occurred. He was still living in Brighton at the time of the third murder, meaning he would have had to travel to Glasgow without his wife's knowledge to have committed the murder of Helen Puttick. As part of Operation Anagram, Tobin's DNA was checked against the sample and the results concluded that the body fluid had not come from Tobin. The senior investigating officer, David Swindle, who was in charge of Operation Anagram, stated that there was no evidence to link Tobin to the Bible John murders and that this theory had been discounted. Professor David Wilson's co-writer, Paul Harrison, recanted on the claims made in the book and later published a new book, claiming Bible John was a police officer. The hunt for Bible John was one of the most extensive manhunts in Scottish criminal history and no further murder victims killed in Scotland or in the UK have ever been conclusively attributed to Bible John. The murders of the three women remain unsolved and the case remains open. Many investigators are certain that the perpetrators of these crimes was likely to have been shielded by one or more individuals that he had known.
Opinions differ on whether the three killings were actually the work of the same person. It is claimed that the gap of 18 months between the first two killings is very unusual for a serial killer, and the later two murders may have been copycat killings. Criticism has been given against the police for hampering their own investigation by prematurely jumping to the conclusion that all three murders were committed by the same person. In 2004, police announced that they were to test a number of blood samples from men in an attempt to identify the perpetrator. This endeavour found an 80% genetic match with one of the blood samples from the offender of a minor crime. This match was with a DNA sample from the crime scene of Helen Puttick. The sample was enough of a match to lead officers to believe that the person who committed the offence was related to her killer. Jean Langford, the only witness to have engaged in a lengthy conversation with Bible John, died at the age of 74 in September 2010. Despite Professor David Wilson's assertion that Peter Tobin was Bible John, Jean dismissed this theory, stating emphatically that Tobin was not the man she shared a taxi with on the night of her sister's murder. As of October 2022, the case of Bible John and the murders of all three women remain unsolved. <laughs>